During my childhood, I grew up in Florida, Georgia, and Kentucky. Uh, those states are a part of the country. I imagine you've heard this before. That is sometimes referred to as the Bible Belt of America. It's called that because of the strong percentage of the population that are members of some kind of church that profess some religious belief. The same was very much the case, or that was quite descriptive, of Alabama, where I preached before moving here. Um, many of the people that, that uh, I and the Christians there in Alabama would encounter every day were very familiar with Christianity. Uh, certainly in general, if not uh, with varying levels of specificity. Most of the people who lived around us there were, were members of, of some church, be it Baptist or uh, Church of God, Methodist, Catholic, a kind of community church, sort of non-denominational community church, those sorts of things. Um, <clears throat> most everyone at least considered themselves something. And from time to time, or quite regularly, they would attend somewhere. And being that most people were far more participatory in matters of religion, they were much more familiar on the whole with religion in general, including other religious groups. So whenever I would meet someone and the question arose, well, where do you go to church or where do you worship? And when I would say to them, I'm a member of the Church of Christ that meets in Somerville at that time, generally speaking, they knew all about the Church of Christ, or at least they thought they did. Um, but they'd know a good bit. Before preaching uh, in Alabama, where I was before here, I lived and worked in Baltimore, Maryland. It was not that way in Maryland. Um, in that part of the country, even those who were members of, of unfaithful churches of Christ, the groups with um, fellowship halls and pantries and various church-sponsored social events and all those kinds of different things, um, they knew very little to nothing about churches who believe the Bible does not allow for those things. Um, they knew very little about what we might call conservative churches of Christ. Um, and if you broadened your audience to the religious community as a whole, well, most of them knew very little whatsoever about the church of Christ in general. So I would often be asked as a follow-up, well, you know, well, what are you? Meaning, what kind of church is that? What denomination is that? And in my attempt to explain what the Church of Christ is about in the most succinct terms possible, I would say we are simply Christians. Just Christians. Not, not Baptist Christians, not Methodist Christians, not Catholic Christians, just simply Christians. And just about everyone to whom I'd explain that um, received it positively. Usually they would smile and say, that's great, I really like that. And I think it was just the simplicity of it, the, the honest nature of how that sounds, um, that, that caused them to, to like that. You're just trying to be you know, an authentic Christian. I like that. Um, though I'm not sure they understood, ultimately, what I was, the, the distinction that I was trying to make. I thought that was a pretty simple concept. Um, but it doesn't really surprise me that given our denominational world steeped in that denominationalism as it is, that it is not an especially simple concept for many people. Um, if for no other reason than just the unfamiliarity of, of that kind of idea. 
Now, I, I, I double-checked just to be sure. Here in Ohio, we're not technically in the Bible Belt. Um, depending on which map you consult, we're just slightly above it. Um, maybe some of Ohio is in it. Maybe some of it's not. But this is a really religious area. Um, so marked with that distinction or not, this is a very religious uh, part of the world. So you may run into people who know what you mean when you say you're just a Christian, just a member of Christ's church, but perhaps not. And the reasons for that will likely just be um, unfamiliarity as well. So I thought what we might do is talk a little bit about that today in case you run into folks and, and get to have this discussion with them and get to explain to them what it means to be a part of, the, of nothing more than the Lord's church and get to share the gospel with them as we've been studying so much about in the book of Acts as they have gone across a, a pagan world who would be very unfamiliar with the church that is Christ's because up until a few decades previous it hadn't existed at all. Um, maybe you have some of those same kinds of conversations trying to explain to them what it means to follow Christ according to the New Testament and be nothing more than just a Christian. Um, so I thought we'd discuss that. And the rousing, engaging way that I want to begin today is by talking about some just basic terminology. Um, things that we have talked about before in previous lessons. Some of you may remember some lessons that we had on the church um, but it's been a few years, so I thought we might come back to this subject this morning. So the Bible uses the word church, um, which in our culture, of course, has an inherently religious meaning. The word that's in the New Testament that our English word comes from um, did not at all have an inherently religious meaning. It was a word you could use for just about any kind of gathering you like. So, for example, when the Apostle Paul, when we read about him going to Ephesus and he preaches there and his preaching has such an impact that the people are getting rid of their idols and the guys who make their living off of idols get really upset about that and they start a riot in Acts chapter 19 and verse 32, that riot is called an assembly. And if we were reading this in Greek, it would be very just the very same word that in other passages is translated church. When it says, now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion. In this same text at the end of the chapter, you may recall from our study uh, on Wednesday nights, or just reading this book previously, that the, the magistrate says, We've got to get this in order. We're, we're, we can't be uh, accused of having a, a riot like this. We're going to get the Roman authorities upset. So if, the, if there's something that needs to be sorted out, then we need to go through the proper channels for this. We need to handle this in what the Bible calls there the regular assembly. So in Ohio, we call our legislative assembly the general assembly. And this is a word that in Greek had a civic connotation to it sometimes. It's a gathering of citizens, kind of like a, a town council um, or our general assembly that comes together to, to decide on things and take care of those matters of government, for example. So you've got, just in this text alone, did you notice there's two very different uses? You've got that same word being used to describe a mob that's gathering together. And then another case, it's describing a, an official civic gathering. Both of those are translated with our word assembly 
And rightly so. That's, this, that's the same word also that's used elsewhere, though, in the New Testament that's translated sometimes as church. So something that that tells us then is that this word for church basically means an assembly, a group. And one way that the New Testament talks about the assembly is in the sense of a group of Christians assembled together as a congregation. And why is it called a congregation? Because that's what you call people when they are congregating. So they congregate, they gather together, they assemble as a church or as an assembly. They congregate as a congregation. That's how Paul uses the phrase, for example, in 1 Corinthians 11. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul is rebuking the church there for the, um, their, their abuses during their gatherings. He says, even when you come together to take of the Lord's Supper, um, he says, your actions are not proper. In the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. So when you come together and assemble as this congregation, this local body of believers, he uses that term for them. It's one way that the Bible speaks of the word church in the sense of an assembly of Christians in a local congregation. Sometimes, though, the Bible will use that very same word when it is describing not just a particular local assembly of Christians, but when it's picturing all Christians everywhere. So everyone who has named the name of Christ, no matter the country, no matter the time frame. So regardless of place and time, regardless of locale, as if all Christians everywhere, as if all Christians everywhere and for all time are being conceived of as together in this, this one group. That is another sense in which the New Testament uses this word church. You can see that in passages such as at the end of Ephesians chapter 1, where Paul says that Jesus, or God, excuse me, put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he's not talking about the church there at Ephesus. He's talking about all those who comprise the body of Christ. So the church is the one body of Jesus in all Christians for all times. Sometimes we use the phrase universal church as opposed to local church. So you have a local assembly of Christians and then you have the entire group of Christians. So it's easy enough to understand that even though it's the same word church that's being used, there are two senses that are different from each other. Uh, so the church that is a, a local congregation of believers and then all believers considered as one. There are some differences between those two groups. Um, when we talk about the church in its universal sense as the body of Christ, there is only one of those. The one body of Jesus. But when we talk about congregations, local congregations, well, there are many of those. We've got multiples of those just in this city alone uh, as we are scattered about this, this, this area. When we talk about the church as the body of Christ, the only leadership that is in place is Jesus as the head of the body. When it comes to the leadership of local churches, yes, Jesus is still the ultimate head, of course, but those local congregations are often led by men the Bible calls shepherds or elders. 
when it comes to the one body, God alone does all of the adding or the subtracting. When it comes to a local congregation, it is people who determine the membership. We, we choose as a congregation either to extend fellowship to someone or we may have to determine to withdraw fellowship to someone based on what we're aware of in regards to the way that they're living. And hopefully the decisions that we make reflect what God thinks on the subject as well. It's not arbitrary, but ultimately if we have to withdraw fellowship from someone because they're living in unrepented sin, that's a decision that, that we make. And if someone comes in and says, I'd like to become a member of this congregation, then, then Paul and Brian, uh, Brian and Tom sit down with them and, and get to know them a little bit better, um, endeavoring to make sure that they're living faithfully as a Christian according to what the New Testament says. And if that's the case, then, then welcome. So these are two very different uses to the word church. Everyone sees that, I imagine. I don't think this is anything new, and I don't think we have any visitors with us this morning either. So you got the word in the sense of a local group, and then you got the word in the sense of all Christians ever. And with that in mind, here's the way I'd like to try to drive home these, these different concepts. Um, I want you to imagine... Whoops. Well, I'll put it up here in just a moment. Um... I'm going to show you this here in just a second. And what, you want, what I want you to imagine is that the larger circle represents the body of Christ and all the people inside the circle represent Christians. So people who are in Christ. What the Bible says is when we come to Jesus Christ, we have faith in him, we're baptized into him and that we become a part of him. Galatians chapter three, verse 26 in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ and on account of this saving union that we have with our Lord, the Bible says we then become a part of his body. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says there that we're baptized into his body. So when a person becomes a Christian, they are then by definition incorporated into the body of Jesus Christ. You can't have one without the other. Well, then let's suppose that some Christians decide that because they live near each other, they're going to gather together and form a congregation. So these guys form one, these guys form another, and, and then so on. I think a really clear way to illustrate the two different concepts, the church in the universal sense of all Christians versus the church in the local sense of a, of a local assembly of Christians, is to consider someone like like this guy, hanging out here by himself. According to that chart, is that person in a congregation? He is not. Is that person in the one body of Christ? Yes, he is. So who is that person? Um, I think you could identify him as one of three people, for example, that are described in the New Testament. You might think of the Ethiopian uh, nobleman, the eunuch. In Acts chapter 8, Philip is told to go and intercept him in the middle of nowhere. And he finds him reading Isaiah 53. He guides him through that scripture into the preaching of Jesus. And at some point, the eunuch says, here is some water. And you've just told me about the story of Jesus. I want to be baptized. And Philip takes him and baptizes him. So easy questions. 
Is he in the one body from that point? He most certainly is. He's been saved. He is in Jesus Christ. Is he at that moment in a local church at that point? Well, of course he can't be. He's in the middle of nowhere. He's just become a Christian. So the one body and the local church are are two different concepts. Um, You can go to the very next chapter over. You can see another example of, of, of someone there, Saul of Tarsus. If you remember from our study recently, Saul is on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. Christ confronts him. He goes into the city. Ananias comes to him, instructs him and says, what are you waiting for? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on his name. And when he does that, is he in Christ? Yes, he is. Is he incorporated into the one body? Yes, he is. So he goes from Damascus down to Jerusalem. He finds the disciples there. He wants to be a part of that group. What's their initial response? No way, Jose. Not at all. So they they know who he is. They don't know who he's now become. They want nothing to do with him. And he at that point is not a part of that local church. But is he still in the one body? Yes, he absolutely is. Then to give you another case, in the letters of John, you read about at least one other person who would be in this kind of situation. John talks there about a man named Diotrephes. And when someone would would welcome the brothers, that is John and his fellow teachers, he would would kick them out of the church. So if somebody thought John was was, um, teaching uh, properly, working on Christ's behalf, Oh, and if they gave approval to anybody with John, then Diotrephes would give them the boot from the local congregation. He seemed to hold that much sway over that group of people's minds and decisions. Now, when he kicked them out of that local congregation, is that in some way kicking them out of the one body of Christ? Absolutely not. Because only the Lord can add and subtract to that. But he was kicking them out of that, that local congregation. Now, having said all of that, I do want to make sure not to be um, misunderstood or to sound like we're trying to teach something that we're not. Is it the Lord's will that disciples be in assemblies of their brothers and sisters in Christ to do the work that God has designed? It absolutely is. What I want us to see is, is that with these certain exceptional cases like the eunuch, at least there initially, and Saul initially, or for the victims of Diotrephes for a time, those cases illustrate for us that the two understandings of the word assembly or church are not the same thing. The one body and local churches within that body are two very different things. I mentioned to you at the start um, my time preaching in Alabama. When I was with that church there in Somerville, Um, near the Decatur-Huntsville area, about an hour north of Birmingham, if you know those parts. Uh, There was a young lady named Kayla that had been dating one of our young men. And she'd been coming to our worship assemblies with him. And it got to the point where she asked to be baptized. Um, She started studying with that young man's father named Jack. And Jack thought that they had brought her far enough along in her understanding of the things that she needed to, 
um, to become to do in order to become a Christian and what all was involved in the process, what the process meant. For the most part, that was the case. Um, but as we found out a little bit later, there was there was one key piece that was missing. Jack, in his studies, and I, in some of my lessons, had endeavored to explain over and over again that baptism was something you did for the forgiveness of your sins, something you did to be added to the Lord's church, to the one body. We found out later that what she believed was that she had long been a member of the Lord's church. She had long been a part of the one body, and that she was simply being baptized, perhaps the kind of um, um, restart her faith in some way, but but especially to be added to the church there in Somerville, that particular group, to become a member of that group. She thought she needed to go through this initiation process of sorts to become a part of that local body. Um, it's not the first time I'd seen or heard of that happening. I imagine a number of you have run into that sort of thing before as well. It's not beyond sympathy, I don't think, that a new believer would confuse baptism into the one body of Christ with membership into the local church. There are different groups that do things that way. But baptism doesn't have anything to do with where you place your membership in a local congregation. It adds you to the one body. And you're then free to to gather and assemble with whatever local group of God's people you decide upon. But now let's take it one step further. I want you to look at the, the right of the slide. Look at this fella right here. And I'm going to take this guy and I'm going to turn him into a, a frowny face, which ever since the Old Testament kings has been the universally understood symbol for someone who has, has descended into apostasy, right? Somebody who's, who's turned their back on the Lord. Um, now you notice he's no longer in the Lord. But he's still here in this this local body of believers. He's outside of the the red circle that we're using to designate the body of Christ. But he is still within this this black circle that represents this particular local congregation. Who who would that guy be? What are some examples of, of that sort of person? Well, he'd be like Ananias or Sapphira, right? They're there in the, the local church at Jerusalem. And the Christians there were bringing... Proceeds from the sales of their properties to lay at the apostles' feet. And Ananias and Sapphira do the same. They say they're bringing the entire proceed. They just bring a portion. And obviously something has gone wrong with their relationship with their Lord because they lie to the Holy Spirit. They are out of fellowship with Him. Another example might be the the man in 1 Corinthians 5 that Paul says is living with his his father's wife, his stepmother. And he says not even the Gentiles would do this sort of thing, but he's there in that local church and somehow they're proud of how inclusive they are and keeping him as a part of their number. And Paul says you need to put him out. And then, for example... We mentioned Diotrephes, right? Who was running the show with that local congregation. And if you didn't line up with what Diotrephes thought, he gave you the boot and you didn't get to be a part of that congregation. Well, Diotrephes himself would be this kind of guy, right? He's in that local church. He's running that local church. But he has rejected the apostles and therefore the Lord for whom they serve as ambassadors. 
So he might be a part of that local church, but he's not a part of the body of Christ. So maybe it is this chart can help us to to understand, and perhaps more since nobody here is new, to also explain to someone and help them understand the concept of the one body, that is the the church or the assembly in its universal sense, and then the, the local church. And I just want to emphasize again that that God's ideal, God's expectation is for us to be a part of both. Um, My point in showing you the exceptions was not to say you can consider yourself exceptional and and bow out and go it alone and you don't got to worry about it. it. It's just to show the distinction between the two different senses in which the Bible uses the word church. So from this point of view, I I can say to you that I'm a member of the church in two different ways. I'm a member of the one body of Christ, at least I believe I am, in the sense that I've been saved through Jesus Christ and he's incorporated me into his body. I'm also a member of this particular local congregation, the group that meets here on Park Road. As we said at the start, though, this lesson really is about what it means to be just a Christian. So a Christian only, and as we were talking about then, explaining the difference between those who believe they're just a part of the church that is Christ's, Versus something else in addition to that. I want want to talk for a moment about what it is to be just a Christian only and not a part of a denomination. Um, So sometimes you'll see people use the word church to describe the Anglican church, the Episcopal church, the Lutheran church. Um, In in recent years, uh, I think the the Anglican church, I believe also the Episcopal, but I could be wrong. They're kind of um, tearing at the seams because they've been having synods and gatherings trying to figure out what to do with, with LGBTQ uh, plus 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 kinds of issues, what to do about that. And they're at, at odds with each other about handle, how to handle that. And they'll talk about the Anglican church discussing this or making this decision or, or passing down this, this teaching as the, the formally recognized way for the Anglican church to handle this particular issue. Let me ask you, how are they using the word church when they talk like that? Are they using the word church in the sense of the one body, all Christians for all time, or even all Christians in this time? They're not. Are they using the church in the sense of a local congregation? They're not really doing that either. What they're doing is using the word in a third sense to talk not about all Christians, Not about any one congregation, but about another kind of organization. So the the United Methodist Church, for example, the Greek Orthodox Church, that sort of thing. What's taking place here is the use of that word church in a sense that is foreign to the Bible. And I can't show you examples of how it's foreign to Scripture, but other, other to show you every single use of the word church and just allow you to see that it's not there. What they're doing is using it in a sense of an organization that ties together a bunch of congregations to become an entity unto themselves. So theoretically, still within the body of Christ as a whole, but now they're this specific faction. Webster says the denomination is a religious organization uniting in a single legal and and administrative body A number of local congregations, that administrative body. You might remember that when we were studying church history, we saw lots of different church groups breaking off in one direction or another based upon ecclesiology, based upon how the the administration of those churches was going to be worked. My uh, 
Laptops, dictionary says a denomination is a recognized autonomous branch of the Christian church. That's spot on. A recognized autonomous, separate from the rest, branch of the church of Christ. A branch of it. When I said to you, I'm a member of the one body, I've been saved by Jesus Christ, and I'm a member of a local church, I said nothing to you about the church in this sense. So I am not a member of an autonomous branch of the Christian church or of an organization that has tied together a bunch of congregations into one body within a body. That's what a denomination is. And the simple thing I want us to to see, since I think we're all on the same page, be able to explain to others, is that the New Testament never talks about the church in this way. It does talk about the one body. It does talk about local congregations. But the New Testament never uses the word church or any other word to describe what I've just depicted to you, which is some kind of organization that binds a group of churches together into some kind of autonomous subset. Now, I think that's easy enough for us to understand. I imagine, like I said, we're all on the same page, but it is easy for this mentality to creep in. Um, I said, you know, a moment ago that, that sometimes explaining to people what you really mean by saying I am simply a Christian and simply a part of a group of Christians that are in Christ and, and nothing else. Sometimes that's difficult to explain just for simple lack of familiarity with those around us because they are so used to what is thoroughly prevalent, this denominational mindset. Since that mindset is so widespread, it's easy for it to creep in with us. So if someone has ever asked you, what does the Church of Christ teach about, etc., etc., what's the concept that they, they obviously have in mind? Well, they're not talking about the church as the one body of Christ, because uh, there's no conceivable way that that church teaches anything. We simply have the New Testament documents. That's what we follow. But they really aren't talking about a local church either. They're talking about all of those local churches that have something similar on the sign. And in this particular case, the Church of Christ. So they're asking you to, to basically speak for all those groups with that label and, and tell you what it is that they all say. And they might be understanding, you know, listen, I know that even when you've got a group that all wear the same name, that sometimes you've got divisions of belief amongst them, and they probably get that. But they're asking you, they're using this phrase, Church of Christ, not in a biblical sense of the one body, not in a biblical sense of a local congregation, but in the sense of a network of groups that are their own branch of Christianity. Who is it that's supposed to be the spokesperson for this quasi-denomination? I get asked that question, what does the Church of Christ teach on that? I'm not the spokesman. I'm just a Christian who's a part of this local church and, and is endeavoring to live according to the teachings of Jesus and stay a part of the body of Christ. Not on any kind of previously agreed upon set of doctrines. Not upon any stated tradition. Nothing like that. So, for example, let's say somebody contacts me and they say, Will you tell me, what does the Church of Christ teach about X, Y, or Z? What am I supposed to say to them? Seems to me what I ought to say to them is I cannot stand here and, and speak for a variety of congregations. I can tell you what I believe the Bible teaches. And what I do as a Christian And I can tell you, because I have the familiarity with it, what we hear here at Park Road 
do as a local congregation, though I can't speak for the understandings of everyone here. And, and that's all I can tell you. Otherwise, I'll be falling into that, that very sectarian kind of mindset that's very familiar to the world, but is quite foreign to scriptures. So it's kind of like what we talked about before in this series. You may remember the friend I mentioned to you who said, you know, I'm Church of Christ. I've always been Church of Christ, but I don't always believe with what the Church of Christ teaches. That's that same kind of thinking. As if we are some kind of formal, recognized, autonomous subset within Christianity, as opposed to simply just trying to be people who are in Jesus Christ. And then who, because they live in the same area, meet together as Christians in the New Testament did. Now, that there would be groups around this city, around this state, around this world that that teach and preach and, and act and believe by and large as we do is quite natural because this is the teaching that's supposed to go into all the world. And everyone who's going to follow Christ's teaching, well, obviously, they're going to start to look a whole lot alike and they're going to have some standards among them. They're supposed to be Christ's standards. They're going to have some traditions among them. Uh, They're supposed to be traditions because they're continuing to follow what Jesus Christ said. I remember um, a friend of mine, as a matter of fact, someone I knew in college who left the Lord and posted this video on YouTube that went absolutely viral, talking about why she had left the Church of Christ, again using that denominational kind of thinking, talked about the unspoken rules of the church. Well, if we've got any kind of unspoken traditions that we're expecting people to hold to, either because we always have in this area or because we did back in my day or whatever that kind of thing is. No, that's not supposed to be insisted upon. But the teachings of Christ, that there would be some uniformity amongst us across the world because we're all trying to follow Jesus Christ's teaching the same. And that also causes us to look differently from other groups. You can see why on the surface we would look to anybody else as, well, you're just another branch of Christianity because all of you do things this similar way and you're doing things differently from the other groups that are within Christianity. But reasons matter. And what's really going on matters. I'm not trying to follow a Church of Christ pattern. I'm trying to follow a New Testament pattern which makes me nothing more than a Christian who is a part of a local assembly of Christ. And that's all that's on that sign is supposed to mean. A church that belongs to Jesus. That's all that's supposed to mean. And I've got to make sure my thinking stays that way. And sometimes I get to explain that to my friends, and perhaps you do too. Try to show them some of the truth of God's word. So to wrap things up, I want you to see, uh, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 14. Because in Acts 14, uh, I want you to see just within a few verses here the, the uh, encapsulation of what we've been talking about so far. Um, Acts 14, this is the scripture reading that, that Wendell read for us at the start of the, of the service. So this is back to when Paul is winding up his, his uh, first preaching trip. It says in verse 21, When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples... They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to continue in the faith, 
saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. So I ask you a question. What is it that they're preaching and what is it that they're converting people to? What they're preaching is the gospel and what they're converting people to is Jesus Christ. They're not converting them to a a conglomerate of congregations, to this net of different groups, this web of, of assemblies, just to Christ and encouraging them to remain faithful to him. They're doing exactly what Jesus says to do in the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. And that's what Luke tells us they they did here in verse 21. So that describes for us the process of the gospel leading people to be converted to Jesus Christ. To be added into him. To be a part of that one body. That red circle from earlier. But notice verse 23. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church... With prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So now we're talking about those those black circles within, those local congregations, those local churches that are not tied together by some kind of ecclesiastical system, some kind of uh, hierarchy and management. They're each led by apostles that are appointed for those individual groups. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, they committed them to the Lord. In whom they had believed. And that's what our goal is in all of this. To bring people to Jesus. So that they're in a saved relationship with him. And then to organize ourselves into a a congregation of fellow believers in Jesus. Perhaps like this one. That as best as it can is striving to follow the apostolic teaching. And that's what it is to be just simply a Christian. As I said, this is probably not new material for everyone that's here this morning, but perhaps it's helped you to see the subject a bit more clearly. Uh, I certainly hope that it may help you to be able to explain the subject more clearly to someone that you, you meet with that is coming out of denominationalism and knows nothing else. I hope this helps us to understand what it is to be simply a Christian, and that it gives you a way to explain to other people what it means to be just simply a Christian. Today, if you need to respond to the gospel message to become a disciple of the Lord, like we just read about, um, then today's the day. If you need to be encouraged in the faith, as these Christians were, to live faithfully as a part of the body of Christ. If there's anything that we need to do, we're here to help. We're going to sing the song here in just a moment, I believe. Still, yes, I have decided to follow Jesus That's the decision you're making. If you become a Christian today, that's the decision you're making. From there on out, if you decide to become a a part of our fellowship here, that's wonderful. But we call you to be uh, baptized into Jesus this morning. Let's stand and sing.